This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to The District, a podcast about politics and culture by The Spectator World. I'm your host, Amber Athey. I'm the Washington editor for The Spectator, and I'm joined by Azra Nomani, a former Wall Street Journal reporter, a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum, and the author of the new book, Woke Army. And Azra, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast for this topic today because I think our audience probably knows you more from the school board parent fight. You were very vocal about some of the wokeness invading the school boards and school standards, as well as the loss of meritocracy here in Virginia, where we both live. But they might not know that you have a rather illustrious career as an investigative reporter. And your new book talks about this really strange alliance between radical Muslims and the woke left. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about why you started digging into this issue specifically, and some of the major themes that you found. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you, Amber, and your audience, because I do believe that there are three people in America who have both the identity politics and the authority to speak about this with credibility. There's a lot of people who understand this, but they just get shot down, you know, as racist or Islamophobe, and we do too. But here's how I got into it. I am a Muslim born in India, an immigrant to the United States at the age of four. I knew not a word of English. And it was in this country that I was able to become a reporter for the Wall Street Journal at the age of 23. And just like you said, Amber, I learned the best craft in investigative reporting at the journal, following the money, following political contributions. I bet you don't know this, Amber. I bet you'll love this anecdote. I was one of the first, if not the first person, to put the concept of AstroTurf lobbying into the Wall Street Journal. Wow. Yeah. And then my other claim to fame is I put work wife and work husband into (laughs) journal pages. Now it's like the thing, you know. But I was just a scrappy reporter. And, you know, I grew up learning English, reading Nancy Drew. So you get get a little Incredible. (laughs) You get a window into my mind. And- and, you know, I have a heart and like like so many people wanted to just make the world a better place. And that's why I went into journalism. Well, at the Wall Street Journal, I met this incredible, incredible person named Daniel Pearl. And Danny became a great friend. He was my passport into American culture. Being a good Muslim girl, I hadn't gone to the prom. And Danny learned about this and he said, we're going to throw a party. And so at the age of 28, Amber, I threw my first party. <laughs> it was yeah, it was on 17th Street, DuPont Circle. And the cops came. <laughs> <It was> hard, <laughs> yeah. As I, any good party should, right? Yeah. Ordered my first keg and uh, being a good Muslim girl. 
And, you know, Danny, Danny was just such a great guy. It was, we called it Midsummer Night's Prom. And at the age of 28, I had my prom. So that was the innocence, you know, that was the joy of life. Then uh, we went and hung out in, in Adams Morgan and, and I learned how to have fun in America. So 9-11 hit and like so many Americans, I was just shocked. But then as a Muslim, I understood. I knew that there had been this radical ideology inside my community. I had seen it growing up, child of the 70s and 80s. I'd watched this strict interpretation called Wahhabism and then later Salafism creep into the mosques and the communities. And then I, I went with Danny. Uh, he went from India. I went from the U.S. We saw each other in Pakistan, and, and that's when it hit home. I rented a home in Karachi, Pakistan, and dear Danny arrived one day with his wife, Marianne, and he went off for an interview and he never came back. It was my wake up call. Danny was kidnapped. He was brutally murdered. And, and Amber, in the days that unfolded, I felt, you know, deep into my core, the violence that comes with identity politics, you know, as we call it today. Mm-hmm. This this beautiful friend, this guy who'd, you know, thrown a prom for me at 28, when I was 28, he was slain for being Jewish, for being American, and for being of Israeli descent. And he was just my friend, you know? So that was my aha moment. I ended up coming back to the United States with a baby. I had fallen in love and the boyfriend that I had abandoned us, but my parents embraced us. And I came back to West Virginia, not far from where you grew up. And I had my little baby and that's the baby, you know, that is 20 now. And for all these two decades, I've been working on this book, Woke Army, because I ended up becoming what we call Muslim reformers, you know, challenging the strict interpretation of Islam for an Islam of grace with women's rights, human rights, secular governance, really important criteria, the kind of stuff that is behind the women's movement in Iran, woman, life, freedom, the freedom to feel the wind in your hair, to be an equal citizen in society, simple ideas that are American values. And what I faced was an assault, an assault by this network of people who deemed me an Islamophobe, a Zionist media whore because I dared to uh, support Israel and I had helped a Jewish man. So Amber, I, I just really thought a lot about you in these last months, like as you were facing your own character assassination, your own, you know, as you were the victim of demagoguery and demonization and, you know, tried really hard to support you because I know how lonely it can feel, even when you have all the friends in the world. So I just want to give a shout out to you too, for, you know, just, you did what everybody has to do when they're, when they are a a subject of attack like that, stand strong, you know? Wear it like a badge of honor. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. Yeah. And so, you know, that's when I confronted this thing that I'm calling the woke army. People who are from a Muslim establishment community that are Islamists, which means that they believe in political Islam, in governance. So they support nations like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Turkey now with Erdogan, other institutions that 
bring religious law into the public square. And that's dangerous when it comes to the strict interpretation of Islam because it criminalizes everything from the hair exposed to the sunlight to adult decisions that are private. And, you know, they they control your movement, your freedom and your speech and your body. So it was just shocking to me these last years because what I saw was the far left in America and then the Democratic Party getting hijacked by these Islamists. And, and that's what the book is really about, this hijacking of America by the woke army. And when you watch this unfold, what I think doesn't make a lot of sense to most people is you now have an alliance between people who would presumably side with a country that throws gay people off of buildings, yet are in bed with the queer activist community in America. And I just think that doesn't square for a lot of people. Can you explain how these people became bedfellows? Yeah, it is so shocking to me that this happened because exactly this contradiction exists. When I was in Pakistan, I had to keep my pregnancy a secret because even in Pakistan, the Islamic law rules that if you are unwed, you're a criminal. And can you imagine, Amber, that when I went to get my blood test, you know, just to check on what was happening, even when I did my pregnancy test, I hid it because all of that was evidence against me. And when my baby is born, when a baby is born, the baby is used as the evidence against a woman. So I came back to West, by God, Virginia, where, <laughs> where we know freedom, you know, it is not an easy choice to become a single mother. But I had my beautiful parents with me. And that is the Muslim establishment that the liberal progressive leftist interest groups in the United States have aligned with. And how did that happen? So what I uncovered, Amber, is that the Muslim groups recognized right after 9-11 that they had a little branding problem, <laughs> right, to put it lightly. <laughs> Their Achilles heel were a couple serious issues, issue of women's rights and the issue of their intolerance to people who think differently. So what they had to do is they had to hijack our common sense and guilt us into silence about the issues of Islamic extremism and sexism. And it was in the summer of 2020, Amber, when I learned about this concept of critical race theory that I went back and re-reported my entire book. And what I did is I then looked at the intersection, to use their word, of the Muslim establishment with critical race theory. This ideology that has now, you know, hijacked schools. Mm -hmm. And Amber, what I learned was that the Muslim organizations, their establishment and their leaders based right here in Fairfax County, Virginia, in this chapter, I take you into the building at 500 Grove Street in Herndon, Virginia, where their spider's web of establishment organizations do dirty business in America. And that that network used race in order to create a shield for their un-American ideas. 
So wow. what? Yeah, isn't that crazy, Amber? So then what happened is now what we know, which is people walk on eggshells when they talk about Islamic extremism and they, they're afraid of being called racist. And what did they do? They then worked with the left, ignoring these issues that they uh, have differences about on LGBTQ issues, especially. And they worked with the left, worked with Black Lives Matter, worked with the Women's March, right? I show that in the book to basically build this unholy alliance that I call the woke army. And and that is how they have now hijacked the Virginia Democratic Party. And I would argue the National Democratic National Committee. I see. So their shared interest is using race, gender, whatever identity as a cudgel to prevent criticism. Exactly. Cudgel. Great word. See, I don't use Thank that you. Word. <laughs> immigrant girl. I didn't learn that. I, I exactly. That's that is so well put because that is how they intimidate everyone then. And Amber, I wouldn't have known this except I saw it with my very eyes. In 2019, I was doing reporting for the book. And so I went to the fundraiser for the American Muslims for Palestine, one of these organizations in this fighter's web. And they are anti-Israel, they're anti-Semitic. And do you remember there was the CNN expert, Mark Lamont Hill? He did lose his sponsorship because he said, from the river to the sea, they will have Israel, which means the destruction of Israel. He was supposed to speak that night. Well, at the last minute, they told us he was a no-show. But guess who walked up to the front? I, I wasn't uh, even expecting it. It was a young woman. Her name is Abrar Omesh, and she was running for school board in Fairfax County, Virginia. And she wanted to tell this audience of very puritanical Muslim establishment leaders you can have control over the school curriculum if you elect me. And you can have control over a $3 billion budget. And what can we go after? Issues about Palestine and Islam with an agenda, right? A very clear agenda. And lo and behold, they used George Floyd's death then in 2020 to ram this, this ideology through our schools now, right? So that's, Amber, I thank you so much for asking me like how it all began because for a good, you know, 18 years by then, I had been fighting Islamism and now that Islamism translated into this alliance with wokeism and that is the the fight, that is the army that we're facing is activists from this, um, this, uh, this continuum of ideology that is ultimately undermining America's freedoms. Wow. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap. I, I hope people will pick up this new book, Woke Army, because this is an extraordinary issue, an extraordinary alliance, and one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners here at the district hadn't even really thought of before you illuminated this for us. So Azra Nomani, thank you so much for coming on the district today. Thank you, Amber. Thank you for being such a bright light out there in the world for all of us. It's just so wonderful to see you succeed in the world. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you so much. Everybody, Woke Army, it's available now. Check it out. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The District. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. To read more content on similar topics, visit thespectator.com.